order in the court. It's time for Understanding the Law Radio. Well, hi, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, along with Brendan, and we are going to talk about magic. Not the David Copperfield magic, no. mind you. No. A lot better magic. The real kind of magic. The kind that exists right under our noses. That's right. All you've got to do is go to platform something, something Nine and, and third. three quarters, you uh, fake fan. That's right. Something like uh, that. You're just a muggle. Ah, well, yeah. that gives it away. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Not muggles. Harry Potter. We yep. are going to be talking about Harry the boy Potter who lived. The boy who lived, as some called him. Harry Potter. You cut me off. I had a whole thing. I was going to really well, spice it up. You let's know? just get down to brass tacks. That's right. We're going to be talking about Harry Potter lawsuits, and there's a ton of them. You wouldn't think that Harry Potter lawsuits is a good idea for an entire podcast topic. You'd be like, oh, you know, maybe there's two, maybe there's three, which is what I said when I found one. Uh, and if you follow, um, you know, Peter on Instagram, you would see a while ago, you know, um, a Harry Potter-related post that talked about a lawsuit, and I found that lawsuit very interesting, and I was like, huh. And so I did research and found so many more. There's a ton. There are a ton of Harry Potter lawsuits. Well, listen, you know, you've done so good. I would just promote you to to head instructor at Hogwarts. Good work, Brendan. That's right. And you want to know something fun? A little off topic. I was at Hogwarts this summer. You went to Hogwarts at a summer school program? Did you? Did you I failed, fail I magic failed potions. <laughs> Professor Snape whipped me. You had to go to Hogwarts summer school. No, I was there at Universal Studios. Have you ever been there? Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been to Universal Studios, not just Orlando? I've been to both. Okay. I've been good to for Universal you. Studios in Orlando. Oh, killing two birds with one stone. But yeah, uh, yeah they have. I, I was there. And it's it's really awesome. I love the butter beer. I like because uh, they have two parks and they have one Harry Potter section at each park. And I went on the train. and You really felt like Harry Potter. You felt like him. You did. And if you wore glasses and had a scar on your head, you would have double felt like him. All right, here's my issue. It's hotter than hell in Florida in That's the summer, true. and there are people walking around in full Harry Potter regalia. Oh, you know what? If those people want to dress up like Harry Potter, Slytherin, or, or Hufflepuff, that's so much fun, you know? I certainly wouldn't do it, so hats off to them. Sorting hats off to them. <laughs> I knew it. I knew mm-hmm. you were going to say that. I said it, and I was like, oh, that's a good one. I knew you were going to say it. Uh, no, I think that the, the land itself, by the way, is quite immersive. If you absolutely. haven't been there, uh, like Brendan said, there are two parks, and they're connected by a railroad train, right. um, which is essentially another attraction. But um, the architecture itself, very, very immersive. It's they have a, they 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 worked so hard to make yeah. it really feel like the Harry Potter experience. If you enter in the main park, Universal Studios, uh, which is a dumb name to call your park inside of your place called Universal Studios. Like, oh, I'm going to Disney World today, and the park I'm going to, Disney World. Like, that's so dumb. Anyway, they call it the Magic Kingdom for a reason. At Universal, in Universal, they if you go, you enter through Diagon Alley, and you walk through the brick wall with Hagrid and everything, and you go and you do your shopping. You know, you can buy all your wizard stuff. Then you leave 
uh, Diagon Alley. You walk a little bit to the train station, and they have a whole thing to make it really look like you run through the platform of nine and talk, three quarters. Talk about the wands for a second. Talk about well, the wands. Well, hold show. on. I'll get okay. So I get in Diagon Alley. One of the things you might be able to do is go to a wand show where you walk in and you're all standing oh, around. It's not a show. You go to Alavanders. Alavanders. Well, Come I said. on, this is the second time now. Did you really watch Harry Potter? Go ahead. When when. Okay, whatever. When we had our eight movie Harry Potter watch a watch a thon, were you really watching? Uh, apparently not. Well, anyway, the the wand show is really cool. You stand around, uh, all huddled, and um, uh, it's just like the movie. Let, yeah, let me help you because like, you're having. I, you're I'm having trying a to forget. Issue. I'm trying to remember. No wonder you, you went to Hogwarts <laughs> summer school. Yeah, it's it's I've been exactly. Stupefied. Yeah, you've been stupefied. It's exactly like the movie where you go in and you're trying to find your wand and there's a show and the guy calls up a kid and he's like, how about this one? That doesn't do it. How about this one? That doesn't do it. And then finally, when you find the one that they want you to buy, that's when the whole room lights up and all kinds of stuff's going on. And it's like, that's the one. And then if you're a parent, you're like, crap. Now what do I do? They just told my kid that mm -hmm. this is the one wand for him. And now I've got to go drop 65 bucks on it. Yep. So that's what they do. That's how they get you. This is your magic wand. This is it. Right. If you don't buy this wand, you'll be making a huge mistake. That's right. And, and you'll you never know, get into Hogwarts. Right. And the worst part is they don't even say like, oh, you should buy this one. They say, you've found it. And then on your way out, the guy catches you, you know, Ollivander. And he's like, oh, well, wait, wait, hold on one second. Yep. That's going to be this going to I'll take you up to the front where uh, Marianne, our coordinator of Hogwarts services, uh -huh. will take your muggle payment. That's right. And uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, you go through there. <laughs> you get your clothes. You get your wand. You get your whole show going. You can go on the Gringotts Bank experience ride. And, you know, it's fun. It is fun. But then you go through the train station. Looks like the real thing. You end up in um, Hogsmeade. And you could do all that stuff. You could go into the Hogwarts castle. It's super cool. It's fun. Yeah, we've got off on a bit of a tangent here. Yeah, well, you want to know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tangentize this even a little further. Oh, my. Disney, I think, felt pressure from oh, Harry yes. Potter. Oh, yes, I was going to lead into this. Yeah, but I beat you to it. And they created they created the Star Wars land. Um no, what's the what's the name it's of it? It's called uh, I th oh, shoot, isn't it like Batu? Yeah, that's it. Batu. Uh, uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. That's right. So they created Galaxy's Edge and they made it as immersive as well. No, that's argu no. arguably no, 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 no. This is not what I was going to get into. I was going to say that if you're a fan of Harry Potter and Star Wars and you can only go to one of those lands, go to the Harry Potter land. Star Wars land sucks. No, well, yeah, look. no, 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 no. Look. They have the Millennium Falcon ride, which is very, very fun. They have the Rise of the Resistance ride, which I've seen looks very cool. However, you want to talk about theming? You don't go into Star Wars land and enter the Moss Eisley Cantina, and you walk through the Death Star, well, well, and you, you see Endor. You no, no, no. You walk through Batu, its own land, because they want you to give you they, – they want to give you your own story. Like, this isn't the movies because, God forbid, you enter a place that was in the movie. No, no, no. This is our own thing. Okay, no, Who cares I, at that point? I agree with that because I am a Star Wars, you know, traditionalist, all right, 1977 – I wanted to see Tatooine. I wanted to see Bespin. I wanted to see Dagobah. 
I wanted to see Hoth. You know, Harry Potter Land is like you know that thing from the movie. Well, here it is recreated in in right. perfect scale. All right, I, Harry I agree Potter with you. is like if you I mean, Star Wars. If you took off the word Star Wars and just called it Dusty Desert Galaxy's Edge and the rides, probably you'd be like, what is this? This is boring. Yeah, it's because they want you to feel Star Warsy. They make you pay two hundred dollars for a droid, two hundred dollars for a lightsaber that you're not allowed to carry around the park. It's nuts. Well, I wanted to say that the wand scenario in Harry Potter is similar. What what I was going to get into was the fact that I think Disney felt pressure from the universal Harry Potter experiences and felt compelled to create their own, and they, they created the Star Wars land. But to your point, it is not traditional Star Wars. It's based off of the uh, sequel trilogy, which arguably is not good, and that's putting it mildly. Uh, and that's from a Star Wars fan. I don't like the sequel trilogy. A lot no, of people it's... have problems with it, whatever. My problems are that it doesn't really make sense. The The prequels even had a story, and whether or not they were that good, I like them. Well, that's them. arguable, you know, because at least, they, it, you know what, look, there, there were elements, like Jar Jar Banks. They, they could have taken stupid. him out. They... Sure, but you know what, at the end of the day, the prequels are a complete trilogy that were com- that were thought out from beginning to end. Well, they least. were better than the sequels. The sequels okay. all go Horrible. all over the place. And you Horrible. can tell they didn't know what they were doing. Nope. And there was like by the last movie, it was like, what? You know, a lot of people really liked um, how the last movie did their stuff. Listen, this is old now, so spoilers. The Emperor came back because they couldn't figure out what else to do. And C-3PO's death was the whole advertising. They they really made you feel like, oh my God, C-3PO is going to die in this movie. And then they was like, oh, C-3PO, we got to erase your memory to get to this place. And he was like, oh, goodbye, friends. And they were like so mean to him. And they were like, shut up, we got to do it. And then they did it. And then he got his memory back. And there was like nothing. Oh, <laughs> oh, come on. And that does it for today. Thanks for watching. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But All come right. on. I hear you. All right, let's let's transition because we went way, way off track. Way but off track. I would love to hear everybody else's opinions about this. If you've been to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge and you've been to Harry Potter and Universal, which do you think is more immersive? And do you agree with Brendan that it, you know Star Wars is its own creation and nothing like the recreation of, of what Harry Potter has has done. But let's get into some Harry Potter lawsuits. You know, you know who my favorite character in Harry Potter is? No. Larry Potter. Yes. I don't think he's from Harry Potter. No, I love Larry Potter. I think you're nuts. Well, you know what? Larry what? Potter, a creation of Nancy Stouffer is the subject of a lawsuit, Stouffer versus Scholastic. In 1999, just after the first Harry Potter book was released, author Nancy Stouffer started writing letters to Scholastic, uh, who was Rowling's U.S. publisher, in which she claimed to have authored books in the 1980s entitled The Legend of Ra and the Muggles and Larry Potter and his best friend Lily. That's right. Right. And Stouffer alleged that the Harry Potter there were, books... There were two different books she wrote here, right? right. Like Larry Potter and also The Land of Ra and Muggles. Right. It would have been funnier if it was one title. Right. But, well, it that wasn't. That would have been nuts. It would have been funny, but it wasn't. This, this yes, is interesting because, you know, from the way it sounds, she's got a clear case here. I mean, come on. Larry Potter, Lily, you know, well, she claims, Ra, and Larry, Larry on the cover has glasses and looks very much like Harry Potter. Right, right. So she claims, just let me get to the point here. She claims that... She had created this Larry Potter character and that she had a race of beings called Muggles mm-hmm. and that there was a protagonist whose name rhymed with Harry 
he wore glasses. And so, um, you know, this is what um, ultimately started this lawsuit in the Southern District of New York seeking a declaration of judgment of non-infringement. That's right. And then in 2002, the court granted summary judgment to Scholastic, finding that Rawlings' use of the term muggles to refer to ordinary human beings was unlikely to be confused with Stouffer's muggles, who were tiny, hairless creatures with elongated heads who lived in a fictional post-apocalyptic land. And as to the Larry and Harry... What? Yeah. As to the Larry and Harry allegation, the court held... The fact that the two boys with brown hair were wearing glasses was not uh, was not sufficient to create a likelihood of confusion for trademark purposes or a substantial similarity for copyright purchase, uh, purposes. Now, here's my problem with this. Okay, how do you know that Rawlings didn't look at Larry Potter and say, "Look at this obscure book." Let me borrow some of that. You don't really know, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, the court conducted its infringement analysis under the assumption that Stouffer had, in fact, authored the works when she claims that she did, which is back in the 80s. Um, And the court credited evidence that Stouffer's book in the 1980s was originally entitled simply Ra, R-A-H, and that only later did she add the words, the legend of and the muggles in order to bolster her court case. That's what the allegation is. The court also found that the only copy of Larry Potter offered into evidence had been falsely dated. So this is all lies. It was her book was called Ra, and then she faked the Larry Potter to try and help right. herself. Stouffer was ultimately found to have committed several frauds on the court, and she was ordered to pay $50,000 in sanctions. That is insane. Right. I mean, come on. So here's, here's how Larry Potter met his untimely demise. Larry Potter and the Muggles was just a fraud. Oh, by the way, when we're done filming this podcast, I need you to help me with my lawsuit against Marvel Comics uh, because of my character, the, the Skulk. Remember? Oh, yes. The, the, the yes, Amazing Skulk. The Amazing Skulk. And he's the big purple beefy guy. Yeah, yeah. I remember him. Really need well, help with that. Yeah, you just you, we'll just uh, we'll backdate <laughs> your uh, your comic creations. <laughs> yeah, but that's what happened here with Stouffer versus Scholastic. And you know, when you're sanctioned, when you are ordered by the court to pay a sanction, mm-hmm. that's a penalty. That's not like, hey, you lost your lawsuit. That is, you have done something wrong, and now we're going to penalize you by hitting you with sanctions. Fifty thousand dollars in sanctions is a very large amount when you're talking about sanctions. Uh, and this is back in 2002. So, bottom line with Larry Potter, not so magical if you ask me. Not at all. Not at all. I've got another story for all you. All right, give it to me. The Weird Sisters. Have you heard of them? Um, No. I I do have sisters who were weird. Is that what That's you're That's not about? what I'm talking about at okay. all, no. But okay. thanks for sharing. You're welcome. The Weird Sisters, W-E-I-R-D, as it's spelled, um, is a fictional wizard rock band, uh, and it was in the book. Oh, that's right. Harry Goblet of, and the Fire. Goblet of Fire. Yes. And so in 2005, they were making the movie, Warner Brothers, and a folk music act from Manitoba stepped forward. They were called the Weird Sisters, W-Y-R-D. 
and they filed a suit in an Ontario court to prevent the film's distribution in Canada. And Warner Brothers offered the Weird Sisters $50,000 to go away, but they rejected the offer and continued to pursue damages of around $40 million. Of course. The Weird Sisters could not see the future. <laughs> uh, as it was reported that they found the suit to be highly intrusive, the Ontario court, and that it was not, uh, not, not, a, not a real thing. Uh, the Weird Sisters were ordered to pay $140,000 in court costs, and any reference to the name had been removed from the film, and the band that played the song Do the Hippogriff at the Yule Ball was called Needed No Introduction in the film. All right, so interesting here. Very interesting. So, so The Weird Sisters. So did they win? No, no. They did not win. And they were forced to pay $140,000 in court costs. Again. See, here's the thing. I'd just like to jump in before we keep going. At face value, they wanted them to stop using the Weird Sisters name, and they did. However, that's not really what they wanted, clearly. They wanted money. Yeah. And they thought they were going to get a ton of money. And they were offered $50,000. They should have taken that. They should have taken that instead of... Waiting for $150,000. I mean, come on. And, you know, here's the thing. I consider myself to be a music connoisseur. I like all types of music. I thought you were going to say weird. No. (laughs) Well, I'm not normal, but I I like all (laughs) types of music. Well, you know who I've never heard of? The Weird Sisters. The Weird Sisters. The Weird Sisters. Right? So if I were them and and they were offered $50,000, I would have taken that and run. But, of course, when there's money involved... Greed sets in, and look what happens. Yep. Look what happens. You know, another one that's very interesting is the uh, the tale of James Potter. Oh, tell me. James Potter is, I believe, Harry Potter's dad. Is he Is he not? No, you're incorrect. I'm not. I'm wrong. I'm going to take over for this story. All right, go ahead. James Potter. Well, yeah, he's Harry's dad, but also. So you just wanted to hijack my story. That's right. Okay. He's Harry's son. Very what? weird, right? Yet through a magic loophole, no, uh, Harry named his kid James because, you know, that so, was his so father's name. You're like talking about the Star Wars that they no longer consider canon. Right. Where Ben Solo. Absolutely. That's what I'm talking about. Was named about. after Ben Kenobi. Yep. And then, of course, they had to ruin it, Disney. That's right. With the sequels. Yeah. If you had just stuck with what was written. That you now consider non-canon. <sighs> well, it's story for another day. Things would have been story so much better. Story for another day in a galaxy far, far away. Continue. James Potter and the Hall of Elders Crossing is a book written by G. Norman Lippert. It follows the story of Harry Potter and has his son going through his crazy first year at Hogwarts. And this isn't actually a lawsuit. See, Rowling... She does not like fake Harry Potter books being sold, you know, and there's a whole bunch of that that we're about to get into. But she has said that fan fiction is, you know, fine. She has given her blessing to fan fiction. Uh, There was a letter written uh, on a fan site and there was a big publicity thing. And she was like, all right, it's fine. Fan fiction's fine. And James Potter is one example of this fan fiction. There are five James Potter books. Fully written. They're all big books. You know, they're normal-sized books, and that's one of the really popular ones. However, there are other ones, like I said, that are not 
so fan fiction. But hold on before you get to that. I want to talk about James Potter for one second. Go ahead. When she found out about James Potter, mm-hmm. she did file a lawsuit in the in, in an Indian court, right, in India, to stop the distribution of uh, the the book, okay? And she that's when she became very interested in these counterfeit books that were on eBay and whatnot, and she had a, a, obtained an injunction against this. Now, what you're talking about is her blessing on fan fiction. That's true. However, you have to make sure that your fan fiction is A, not containing sexually explicit material and B non-commercial. In other words, you cannot make money from your unauthorized derivative work. Right. And then in in India, the file was regarding the um, unlicensed Marathi language translation. Yes. Yes. Correct. I didn't want to get into those details, but yes, you are, you are correct. Very astute. Thank you. As always. Anyway, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Speaking of language translations, China has way too many fake Harry Potter sequels. For example, Harry Potter and the Porcelain Doll is about Harry and a group of circus performers teaming up to defeat Voldemort's Chinese counterpart, Yandomart, nicknamed the Naughty Bubble. In Harry Potter and the Chinese Overseas Students, six teenage <laughs> Chinese wizards travel to Hogwarts and help Harry get his groove back. Or, as an Austin Powers fan would say... Find his mojo. That's, That's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, and then he triumphs over evil in the end because they helped him. And in Harry Potter and the Big Funnel, also translated here as the filler of big, Harry's friends turn into wooden stools while his cousin Dudley <laughs> dates a belly dancer. Nice. They must have run out of plot ideas for that nice. Well, it's nice to see that Dudley has come up in the world. Uh, another one that this one's the most popular one that we know about in the West Harry Potter and the Leopard Walk Up to Dragon. And the book begins with Harry being turned into a dwarf by Sweet and Sour Rain, and then it's mostly text from the Lord of the Rings trilogy with Rowling character names substituted for the Tolkien characters. Oh, my God. So it's the Lord of the Rings, but with Harry Potter characters. That's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Well, let's talk about one of the most famous high-profile lawsuits uh, involving Harry Potter, and that was Warner Brothers versus RDR Books, the Harry Potter lexicon. Tell us about that. So the Harry Potter lexicon is a fan book. It was this whole thing. Well, originally it was a website, right? Right, the Harry right, right. right. Okay, so let me, let me get into the full history. It started as a website by Stephen Vander Ark, and it was extensive quotations, summaries, explanations, almost like a Wikipedia of the Harry Potter universe. Instead of just giving the details from the books, this website tried to map out the entire world uh, of Harry Potter. You know, all the magic details, all that kind of stuff from what they can gather in the movies and books. And it became the one of the biggest Harry Potter fan websites. Everybody was going there. It was where you go to fact check, you know, all your stuff. Uh, it was even used informally by the makers of the films, the video game, and by Rowling herself. He, uh, Vander Ark, was approached by RDR Books with an offer to publish the lexicon in print, and it was to consist of 2,437 entries containing quotations, paraphrases, plot details, and summaries of scenes from the novels. Uh, Warner Brothers found out, and they contacted RDR with an expression of concern and asked to see a copy. RDR went on the offensive, and they accused Warner Brothers 
of unauthorized use of Vander Ark's work. Shortly after, uh, they were facing off against each other in court. And after a trial, the court considered the fair use issue. And the Lexicon book wasn't a ripoff. It didn't try and copy the story. It didn't replace it with, you know, different character names. But it was more of an encyclopedia, the way you go to Barnes & Noble and you find the Star Wars encyclopedia. Right, right. But uh, it was eventually decided that it would directly compete with Rowling's companion books, Quidditch Through the Ages and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which were kind of their own encyclopedia-type books. And so the court held that, you know, it infringed upon Rowling's work and it stopped the publication. And uh, Vander Ark has gone on record of saying, you know, he's not upset by this. Like, yeah, he's sad, but he doesn't take offense from J.K. Rowling. And he says, you know, that's all right, which is honestly not the attitude I'd have if I was him. No, but this guy is I'm actually on the Harry Potter lexicon right now. Oh, yeah. Um, If you're interested, it's HP dash lexicon dot org. This guy has put in a tremendous amount of work. I am really shocked at how much work has gone into this thing. Looks like he started it in 2020, and he has done everything from created a timeline of characters. This is really amazing. Yeah, I'm here too now. There is a ton here. He has really, uh, this is, well, look, I I don't know. I'd like to know how he generates revenue from this. It looks like uh, there is an ad on here, a couple ads. But, you know, the amount of effort that's gone in here, I hope the guy's making some money off of this thing. Yeah, really? You would imagine. Sure, but. Now, interestingly, right, it says in the bottom of the copyright, the Harry Potter lexicon is an unofficial Harry Potter fan site. Harry Potter characters, names, uh, and all related, um, you know, other uh, items are, are trademarks of Warner Brothers. Now, curiously enough, if they're allowing ads on this site, which would, in theory, generate revenue, isn't this site commercial in nature? You could argue. Yeah, well, the court didn't like it, and he was not allowed to make it. Oh, you're back so, to the book? Yeah, back to the book. I'm fascinated by this website, because if, if if Rowling and Warner Brothers is saying fan fiction good, as long but as it's not, not commercial. Yeah. So I, I'm curious about the explanation here with respect to the website. Interesting. It is interesting. Now, you know... We've talked about this on other episodes, but just to sort of tie in what you're talking about, and since we've already intertwined Star Wars into this podcast, mm-hmm. um, that uh, YouTuber, oh yes, Star the Wars story, Theory, yeah. yeah, Star Wars Theory had created a Darth Vader fan fiction film, raised money, spent the money um, on the film itself. He had obtained approval from Lucasfilms and others, and. On the eve of the release, or shortly before, maybe not the eve, but a few days before, um, he was approached by a division of Lucasfilm that, that dealt with the music, and they, intem- uh, they attempted to prevent him, cease and desist letter, 
prevent him from actually showing the film. And long story short, one hand wasn't, you know, in sync with the other. And ultimately, he was allowed to do it. But again, going back to the idea that fan fiction is, in theory, infringing use, right? But some authors and some uh, companies and, 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 you know, the holders of these trademarks and or copyrights, mm-hmm. they allow it. But one of the big factors is fan fiction's great because it brings uh, continued focus onto a particular movie, film, book, but you can't make money from it. Right. And then that takes me back to my question. How is the website allowed to generate revenue from ads? Isn't that making money? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. Very, very fascinating. Yeah. I'm going to have to look into Dumbledore's crystal ball in order to find out. Is what's this guy's going, going to Azkaban? That's right. You go to Azkaban. It would be funny if a judge sentenced somebody to Azkaban for trademark infringement. That I, I think they'd find that less funny. You know, I, I would find that quite funny. Now, of course, you're not allowed to have that kind of sense of humor in, in court, but, man, that would be something. I sentenced you to Azkaban, and may the Dementors torment you for all eternity. Oh, my. Whenever I think of Dementors, by the way, complete the aside. Office. That's all I can think of. Yeah. The Dementors. You know, when, when it was prison, Mike? Yep. They were horrible. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. I hope you had a magical time exploring some that's of right. uh, the Harry Potter lawsuits out there and listening to our heated debate concerning uh, Star Wars land and the planet of Batu. That was the best part of the episode. Which I don't understand that name, Batu. <laughs> Batu. Why call it Batu? Batu. Batu. God bless you. I mean, I don't understand <laughs> it, right? ridiculous but anyway that's gonna do it i hope you enjoyed the episode make sure that you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already if you have subscribed thank you so much please make sure that you share the podcast with your family friends and colleagues let them know about us let them know we're out there let them know that they can subscribe to utl radio anywhere that they get their podcasts that's it we'll see you next time thanks for listening to understanding the law radio if you haven't done so already make sure that you subscribe to the podcast we're available anywhere that you listen to your podcasts including amazon apple music spotify iHeartRadio, and many more also don't forget to check us out online on facebook twitter and instagram thanks again see you next time